0: On today's episode of the Weekend Wrap-Up, Austin and Wyatt recap Alabama's first two wins in the NCAA Tournament. Then they finish up by talking through the Crimson Tide's biggest position battles heading into football spring practice. This is the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the Weekend Wrap-Up, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. I am your host, Austin Hannon. It is Monday, March 20th, and I am here alongside my co-host, Bama Central intern Wyatt Fulton. Wyatt, let's just dive into it. Alabama men's basketball. We just were kind of touching on it before uh, we started recording a few seconds ago. They're reaching the territory of being the greatest team in the history of this men's basketball program. Um, this weekend in Birmingham, they they won the, in the first round and second round. They're headed to the tw- the the Sweet Sixteen for the second time in three years. Um, we we saw a little bit of everything this weekend. Uh, we had we had a game where Brandon Miller scored zero points. Uh, it didn't matter we had march jq we had charles Bediaco maybe pushing starting to push around with a little bit of maybe nba scouts i mean what he's doing right now um so let's just let's just dive into it sweet 16 they beat tex m corpus christi on thursday then they they played late night last night um and, and beat the maryland terrapins when they really didn't play that well especially in the first half um but like we've seen so many times this year i mean when they turn it on even if they're not shooting the ball well, they can still turn it on and flip the game in, uh, in other ways on the defensive end, um, on on rebounding. I mean, anything, getting in the free throw line, they, they have so many different ways that they can hurt you. Um, so, yeah, an initial thoughts, two and two so far in the NCAA tournament. They're still undefeated in this month. Other than the, the regular season ending loss to Texas A&M, they went to Nashville, won the SEC tournament. Now they've won back-to-back games to start uh, the big dance. So, yeah, just initial thoughts before we dive into more.
1: Initial thoughts, I think Blake put it in his, uh, his run down there This when it ca- that came out today. Uh, this team has shown that they can win in multiple different ways. Brandon Miller can go drop 40. You know, Mark Sears and JQ will get hot from three. Charles Bediaca will play tough in the paint. It's, you know, we can beat you a number of different ways. And we saw that really in both the round of 64 and the round of 32. The round of 64, you know, Brandon wasn't playing well, had a little bit of that injury concern. The rest of the team stepped up, and then you know you watch the round of thirty-two against Maryland. And that was a that was a fight, especially right there at the beginning. The defense was all over the place, flying around, and then they just decided, hey, you know what? Why are we playing with our food right now? Let's just flip the switch, and we'll we'll get we'll get coasted, and we'll we'll be playing next weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I want to – there's so many things to talk about since two games were played. Um, and we haven't had a podcast in a while, so we didn't even really touch on uh, – we never got to touch on the SEC, the SEC tournament, tournament. But, but we won't. Uh, that was obviously – everybody kind of knows what happened there. Um, but kind of carrying over from from Bridgestone Arena in Nashville to now, John Quinterly is playing on a different level. Um, and this weekend, he was Alabama's best player. Um, you could argue that there were a couple games. I know he he wasn't given MVP in Nashville, but there were a couple games in Nashville – including the title game where Javon Quinterly was the best player on the court for Alabama. Um, And it's crazy because, you know, he's playing with a guy like Brandon Miller and it's like, anybody can be overshadowed by him, but he's still kind of finding a way to show the college basketball world that he is the guy that he was in high school. Um, The McDonald's all American the the once Arizona commit Villanova player uh, transfer that came to Alabama. And I think it's just, it's, it's so good to see him doing well. Um, I've said that on the podcast before. I'm a really, really big fan of him not only as a basketball player but as a person Um, just getting to kind of interact with him um, over these last couple years has been tremendous I mean he's just a great guy Um, he answers questions well you know he he's humble but he's also kind of knows that he's kind of got the it factor when he needs to Um, and I that's my favorite that's my favorite part about Javon Quinterly is you know this weekend we kind of got to see him explode and especially last night score 22 points you know he hit three threes in a row there at the end um, and kind of show that swagger and talk to the fans and, you know, interact with the Alabama fans in the crowd and kind of let them know that he's here and he's, you know, he is old and he's, a, you know, fifth year, but he's, <laughs> he he can still get it done. And, um, you know, I think he's just really happy. He seems comfortable in the offense um, and he, he's, it kind of, he kind of struggled to find his role at times this year coming back from that injury. You know, he was a rotation guy for most of the season there, but down the stretch, I mean it had no choice, but to put him back in the starting lineup where he was the last two years. So, I mean, like he had, he had to do it. Um, and he's, he's coming around at the right time. And I just think it- it's great for him.
1: I think it's really big for JQ. I could not be happier for JQ given, you know, the situation that he's been through and everything like that, you know, and I also think really, what's really important for this team is his, the experience that he carries. He was on the sweet 16 team, you know, two years ago. And then he was, of course he was on last year's team, uh, tore his knee up in the in the first round against Notre Dame there but you know I think the experience to Javon Quinterly is very important especially with you know so many young guys on our team getting a lot of minutes and stuff like that I think the experience of a lot of different players is uh is definitely beneficial
0: yeah let's talk Charles Bediaco um another guy that's like I know we're not we're not we haven't even talked about Brandon Miller yet which is crazy um I love some angry Chuck it's really it's really these two guys that have been the it factor for Alabama these last two tournament runs I mean so far in the NCAA and, of course, the SEC title. Charles Bediaco was phenomenal in Nashville. Um, there was a reason that he got named to the all-tournament team. He was on my ballot for the all-tournament team. And it's like, okay, with Charles Bediaco, he's kind of a guy that over the last two years that's maybe been a little inconsistent. So it's like, is he going to be able to keep this going um, and stay out of foul trouble and stay on the floor and, and keep having that impact when the NCAA tournament comes around? And he is. I mean, he is. I've seen all these things on Twitter that's like, I don't think there's – Right now, the way he's playing, like five big men in the country, better than him. I mean, obviously, Zach Eady comes to mind. There's a few others, Oscar Shibway but he he's right up there. I mean, he's having such an impact. He had five blocks on his birthday against Missouri. Um, you know, he came back. He, he's he's had the double double last night. He's just un. You cannot beat him at the rim on on defense. I mean, he is when he's down there and he's not fouling and he's staying straight up. Um, he, he's He's in. He's impenetrable. Whatever the word is, it's hard to say. <laughs> you can't get past Chuck down low, um, and he's just. He, we even saw a couple hook shots last time. I mean, he's doing everything that he's was capable of doing when he came out of IMG, um, and he's he is the big man that is exactly what Nate Oates wants in this offense and
1: defense. He's he is finally playing at at the seven foot size that he is. You know, he's able to. He's standing in the paint. He's he's taking shots. I was watching the Maryland game the other night. I, I sat here thinking I was like, this game is going to turn into which one of these two big men can stay on the floor longer. And thankfully, Charles Bediaco, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was. was able to kind of bow up there and show his show what he's capable of. But uh, realistically speaking, what big men are left in the tournament as of right now on you know Sunday afternoon? We're still got games going. What big men in the tournament is better than Charles Bediaco right now? Right I mean, now, realistically speaking,
0: I, I, I like I said, I'd probably take Oscar. I mean, just because based off the That's, fact he's a Naismith yeah. player of the year. Um, That's fair. Reigning, and he I mean, he has a huge impact on the game. And I still think he's probably a little bit higher, even though hands off. We saw what happened in Tuscaloosa when those two matched up this year. And it was <laughs> it was not a pretty sight for Oscar. But other than Oscar, I don't I really don't think at this moment there's anybody playing better than Chuck.
1: I don't think so either. I mean, Charles Bediaco. Obviously, you want your best players to play their best in March, and I think both Charles Bediako and Javon Quinterly have decided to just step up to the plate and say, "Hey, look, Brandon, phenomenal, going to be a lottery pick, almost guaranteed to be a top three pick in this NBA draft, maybe go one or 2 But I'm like, here. I'm hearing two right now. I've seen a lot of two right now yeah. as <laughs> other well. Other than
0: other than the greatest basketball Frankenstein to ever be created, that is Victor Wimbanyamba. Yeah, it's Brandon, I mean, if, if if he didn't exist, Brandon first, probably goes number one.
1: He's for sure going to be the first, you know, college basketball player taken in the NBA draft this year. But you know, JQ and Chuck, they said, "Hey, look, Brandon Miller, he's phenomenal." But look at we, us—we're not—we're not scrubs. Like you know, there's a reason we're the number one overall seed, and it's not just because of 24.
0: And Chuck's so interesting because last year, you could kind of tell—you know, he's—he was a bigger recruit. I mean, there's no doubting that. You could tell that the the talent was there, but it was just so raw. You know, like mm-hmm. he didn't really have you know, if you will, a lot of meat on his bones. He was a skinny guy, just a really raw, tall, talented guy that's going to catch oops. He's going to block some shots, mm-hmm. but he was very undisciplined on defense. Um, he was really bad about not going straight up, which is something that I, I think has been his biggest transformation this year um, was last year when he would seem to get 4,005 minutes because he would lean over so much on defense. Now he just protects the rim and doesn't really move. He just doesn't jump. He stays on his feet. And when you're seven foot, I don't really think you have to do those things. If you just stand there, be tall, use your wingspan yeah. like Chuck does, you're probably not going to get called for fouls. And we're kind of seeing him evolve into something that I thought it's definitely what Hodgson and Oates thought when they recruited him. It's like this guy is exactly what they want in this offense. Like Nate Oates is not trying to build an offensive team where you throw the ball down low to like Zach Eady and just spray it out to shooters. That That's not the offense that he wanted. So he went out and got Betty Aco, a guy that's going to do what he wants him to do. And he's filling into that role perfectly. And I, I think it's great for him. He's the nicest guy ever. Uh, everybody that's been around him. I mean, he's soft spoken. He's funny. And he's just gigantic. I mean, just being around him, I mean, <laughs> he, he's as tall as he looks on TV. And I, I'm glad that he's kind, kind of, kind of filling into his role. Now, um, Brandon Miller, we've talked about him a little bit already. He gets zero points in the first round game. Um, to be fair, he did sit out for the majority of the second half because the game got out of hand.
1: I think a lot uh, of the starters sat out most of that second half. Yeah. I,
0: I, yeah. He, he, I asked him after that game if it affected him. I, I was like, I already know the answer to this, Brandon. But, like, the scoring zero, have you ever scored zero points in your career? Does it affect you? Like, he said no. Um, and then last night, obviously, he scored 19, or Sunday mm-hmm. night, I should say. Uh, Saturday night, I should say, um, he scored 19. Wasn't great still. I think he went five for 15, 16, something like that. Uh, but I asked him again I mean we, I walked in the locker room last night and his locker had moved and I asked him if it was because he scored zero points and he kind of laughed and said no <laughs> um, but yeah he's a funny guy he, he he does he did enough last night I think he still had highlight plays obviously he had the mm-hmm. the one transition where he blocks the ball off the backboard and then goes down the court and not, nails a three which I believe put Alabama up 10 at that point uh 50 yep. to 40 which was really a big turning by I mean Maryland was credit to Maryland. I mean, they, they were really, really hanging around in this basketball game. I think longer than people were giving them credit for um, obviously the final score, which a lot of teams have been up against this year. The final score doesn't always look in your favor, but they, they played hard. They, they it was that, that play, that defense to offense, which you always hear about play ended up forcing Maryland and Kevin Willard into a timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this, the, this score went from 10 to it ended up, I believe a 22 point win. Um, you know, Brandon Miller, didn't he scored zero? He didn't score in the first game. He responded well in the second game.
1: He, he responded very well, and I think a lot of people were very concerned about like, hey, is this is this injury situation going to be like? Because out we found Alabama's kryptonite. It's the fact that Brandon Miller just simply isn't, you know, as explosive as a lot of people believe he is, but that answer is no. <laughs> Brandon Miller is, you know, he's he's more than fine, you know. He'll get the he'll get this week off. I'm sure the team will probably end up, you know, traveling kind of middle of the week just to get the just to get ready and all that, but
0: yeah, he'll I, believe, have this... I believe they're heading to Louisville Wednesday.
1: Yeah, so he'll he'll have this week off, you know. I'm sure he'll be with trainers if they're even in Tuscaloosa. I don't know if they just <laughs> decided to stick around in Birmingham for a couple of days and then head on to Louisville or what, but if they come especially if they come back, they'll get in the facility, they'll get him treated right. And it, it's fine. Brandon Miller's just saving, you know, the the 35 point bomb for when we absolutely need it. <laughs> when
0: you need it. And, and that's, and that seems like it's been that way all year. I mean, like the first game that comes to mind, obviously South Carolina, which would have been yep. a crushing loss on the resume. I mean, a team that was just not very good uh, aside from Gigi Jackson. Um, and he scored 41 and put the team on his back. I think he put, he scored like two game tying shots in regulation, obviously he had the game winner in overtime, um, and that was, we, we had the podcast right after that game and we talked about how crazy it was that, yep. um, that was kind of at the height of everything when it all came out, which we don't have to talk about it today, but everything's kind of getting worked back, um, after a great report from, uh, Tuscaloosa patches, Ryan Phillips, um, and now phenomenal report. I, we're, I, we're, yeah, Yes. We're starting to kind of see Brandon, um, you know, he felt, it felt like, you know, just covering this team on a daily basis. It felt like he was kind of getting quieter, more closed Mm -hmm. off. Um, You know, like he was afraid of like reporters and outside people. And now obviously he was acting like a fool in the locker room last night. Uh, I got a great video of him, you know, stealing people's microphones and asking his teammates (laughs) questions. And he's kind of like his personality starting to come back, which I think is awesome. Now that his truth and the truth is starting to come out about what happened uh, two months ago. So Brandon Miller, he's going to be fine. Like you said, I think if, Need be against San Diego State against whoever it is moving forward. If if need be, he would, can. We know that he can put the team on his back. Like we've seen it before.
1: Um, we watched but, him go toe to toe with Drew Timmy in Birmingham. Like yes, he's, he's thirty seven points at Legacy Arena that it. night.
0: Yeah, it's it's not like. I don't know about you. I, I prefer when JQ and Chuck and Namari and all these mm-hmm. guys are playing well, and Brandon doesn't have to score forty. I'm completely fine with Brandon scoring his average nineteen a game, yep. and then everybody else contributing and, and winning by double digits. I think that I don't. I don't need the game winning layups in Columbia. I don't need that. I mean, it is great as it is. Um, I'd rather it stay, you know, where it is right now. So Brandon Miller's gonna be fine. That, that's the. That's what me and White are telling you. No shooting, no problem. That's what I put here on my docket. Wyatt, we say this every game. It seems like we do a story on this every game, which is not necessarily a good thing. It it (laughs) means that they're not shooting the ball particularly well. Um, They only got, I think, seven or eight attempts up. I believe it was one for seven in the first half on Saturday night. Um, Maryland was kind of running them off the three-point line, trying to force Mm -hmm. everything inside. Even when they were getting the shots up, they weren't really going in. Obviously, JQ and Brandon hit a few down the stretch. Um, But it's not really an issue. Like. Last year, if the like, we saw that one game in Tuscaloosa against Kentucky, Alabama shoots three for 30 and they get they get beat, obviously. There were plenty of that by the three last year. Yes, there were plenty of instances last year where if they did not shoot the ball well, it was over. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you why they were the 92nd rated defense in Kenpom. And Oates has mentioned that over and over and over again that this team this year, we were not going to be like that because he was so frustrated last year. Um, with the team's inability on defense to, like, win the game on defense, and this yeah. team can. Maryland scored 51 points. Um, Corpus Christi was kind of cooking there for a little bit on, on Thursday, and Oates was very displeased, uh, but they kind of picked it up in the second half. Yeah. And for that reason, they won by 20-plus again. It's like when the shots aren't going in, it's like a broken record at this point. It does not matter. They can get it inside. They can get it at the free throw line. Or if that's not even working, they'll just beat you on the glass, and they'll beat you on defense
1: yeah the the biggest tell the biggest tell about who is going to be playing late into march and even into that first weekend of april is can you win in multiple ways and alabama has shown time and time again that they can win in multiple ways you know we can shoot we can be hot and we'll shoot 65 percent from three and we'll blow you out of the building and then we'll turn and then we'll turn around two days later and it'll be a it'll be a 65 50 game because (laughs) we dominated you on the glass and we dominated you in the paint and we just suffocated the life out of your team.
0: Yeah. And it's um, like last year, this, this next matchup against San Diego state would be a nightmare. Yeah. Because any team last year that was going to be physical with Alabama and play defense and not let them shoot the ball like they wanted, it was probably going to be a loss. Yeah. Um, But I think that this matchup with the Aztecs is better this year because they can do what San Diego state does. Well, they want to defend, but Alabama does too. I mean, it, it's going to come down to, and we'll talk about it more in a minute, but it's going to come down to who can score the ball more. And that's, I, in my opinion, it's going to be obviously Alabama. I mean, it, it's just, it's so interesting that he's been able to kind of flip the entire like philosophy of the program in, in one year. I mean, last year yeah. was so, I mean, I know the fans were so frustrated because it's like that team was talented. I mean, there were four guys on that team that are now in the G league or NBA. And yet they lost in the round of 64. They lost double digit games. Um, but you knew that they were good because they had all those quality wins against final four teams. And it's like, right. It's there. And, you know, you had Keon Ellis dropping whatever it was in the first half at Rupp arena. And it's like, if they could just play some defense, like they could have w- done so much better last year. And I think that him and his coaching staff and Charlie Henry and Brian Hodgson, they all had to talk about it this off season. And say, hey, we're not, we can't do that again. You know, it, you can bring all this talent in, but if you don't play defense like we did in 2020, 2021, you're not going to make the Sweet 16. You're not going to make the Elite Eight. You're not going to make yeah. the round of 32. Um, and so you you mentioned they can shoot the ball. Like this is not a team that sucks on offense. Let's not start saying that. I mean, if, <laughs> if they shoot the ball well, the difference is they're not going to beat you by 20. They're going to beat you by 40. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, a la Vanderbilt. Yeah. It, it, it kind of gets, and that was 57. It kind of it gives you that the ability to
1: be comfortable in the fact that, okay, like not every shot has to go in. I, I agree with that. You know, they say, everybody says, you know, oh, it's so important to see, you know, after time, after a timeout's called, like they still put up the shot. It's like, it's so important to see that ball go in the hoop. But the thing about this Bama team is that they don't have to see that ball go down. Like they're going to keep coming. They're going to keep, you know, showing their intensity, showing their effort. And yeah, you know, the layups weren't hitting early against Maryland. And what did they do? They turned around and got back right back on defense. Maryland's layups weren't hitting. And the difference was Alabama had the mental fortitude to say, hey, eventually these will go down. I don't have to sit here and put up a shot after a timeout to see the ball go down to be like, oh, hey, remember, that's how that works. (laughs) You know, but they showed the mental fortitude to say, I don't need to do that it'll it'll drop eventually the the shots will start hitting and they did we're sitting here on round of 32 sunday Uh, a lot of teams have already
0: punched their ticket to the sweet 16 Um, shout out the sec i I mean a really really good showing so far Um, depending on how kentucky plays today i mean we don't really know what happens there but tennessee's on its way to the sweet 16 alabama is missouri lost to princeton uh, but they did make the second round Uh, the SEC has, the SEC had a good showing, I think, already, and it's got an opportunity to have an even better showing
1: moving solid, forward. Solid, solid shout out to Arkansas as well. Arkansas, for I think you mention Kansas. Arkansas.
0: Yes, and we had Eric Musselman ripping the shirt off and jumping on this the, the, the stat table like Dwayne Wade. Yep. Um, which should come as no surprise if you know Eric Musselman. Uh, but let, let's talk about here moving forward. We 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 talked about San Diego State in that matchup, um, really physical defensive team. Which we've seen Alabama struggle with at times this year, but we've also seen them have success against. I mean, you have the win at Houston, yep. which it's like okay, they can hang. You have the bad loss at Tennessee when Tennessee was missing a few starters, things didn't really go well. The crowd was ro- ro- uh, rowdy though, and you know you're going to lose road games in college basketball. Mm-hmm. San Diego State, I, I think some people are liking the matchup. Some people are
1: not. What do we think? I think if this was in San Diego state, like I'm saying, Hey, look, we got, we got another Tennessee game coming, like be, be ready, but you know, game's going to be in Louisville, a lot closer for us than it is for, than it is for them. You know? Yeah. I'm interested to see how I, the fans
0: travel to Louisville. I, 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 don't, a, I don't really know about the demographics in Louisville in terms of college sports fans. I know there's obviously a lot of Louisville and Kentucky fans, but I don't know how many Alabama fans are in the area or how many will travel to Louisville. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot will just because, yeah, we might be in the midst of the greatest season like i said in the history of this program
1: i think so too i think the, the getting to the actual matchup defensively alabama is going to be more than fine as long as their key guys stay out of foul trouble like we said you know earlier mentioning bediaco like if he's if he's standing straight up i think alabama is going to be fine if he starts getting into that old tendency of let me lean into this guy a little bit you could start to see alabama get a little bit shaky but again you know defensively Alabama's going to be fine. San Diego State's a really great team. You know, there's a reason they're in the Sweet 16. But at the end of the day, Alabama is going to be able to hit those shots that they need to hit, whether it's Brandon Miller's dropping 40, JQ's getting, you know, 20 with the with the three and then the smirk at the end as they're calling the timeout. You know, Mark Sears will hit a good three every once in a while. You know, Alabama's got enough guys around to make those shots that they need to make at the last minute.
0: I don't want to get ahead of ourselves but you won't be hearing me and Wyatt's voices until we know if the Crimson Tide is headed to Houston for the Final Four or not. Which it might be a scary that might be a scary thing for you guys. But you know that's where we are. So we got to talk about what's moving forward. Let's assume they beat San Diego State. Not assuming in a bad way. Let's just assume for this purpose that they're moving on to the Elite Eight. It's going to be Creighton, which I know a lot of fans would like, Baylor, <laughs> or Princeton, and, and I think. Princeton's luck will probably run out um, here in the Sweet 16 against the winner of that Creighton Baylor game tonight, which I think Creighton's going to win. I'm going to go ahead and put that out right now. I think Creighton's going to win I tonight, agree. and I think Creighton's going to be Princeton, and I think we're going to get the dream matchup of Creighton and Alabama in the <laughs> Elite Eight in Louisville. Um, it, in in terms of reaching the Final Four first, are is there any worry of any of those three teams I mentioned?
1: I think I think our defense. I think our defense against Baylor is going to do what we did to them last go around when we played them last year what was it at home i think we'll be fine there as well uh creighton will be a very interesting matchup i know the fans and twitter will have a (laughs) field day in the elite eight if we do match up with creighton but you know i think i think we're fine there as well i don't know exactly their kim palm rankings off the top of my head right now but i know we should I was watching a video. This is a little bit of a sidebar. I was watching a video one time and it basically gave down like a breakdown. It's like, okay, you know, the past like 20 teams who have won the championship, you know, had a top 20 Kim Palm offense and defense together. And I think Creighton's one of like five, four or five teams left in the tournament with that, as well as us, Uh, Kansas had it, Texas has it, you know, so, but I think Alabama will be more than fine against Creighton and then Princeton cinderella story is great yeah it is it's awesome when i mean you, it, you love a great cinderella story um un, until you run into a buzzsaw that is you know alabama <laughs>
0: right
1: and then just yeah i mean two of the one scenes are gone
0: so if you're looking at the final if we're going to really look ahead to the final four which we don't really need to because we'll record before then i just if they can keep playing like they are right now i don't i don't think there's a team in their way i mean i just i think they're playing great basketball and um, obviously UConn still on the bracket, which they lost to Gonzaga is still around, which they lost to, mm-hmm. um, UCLA still around, which they lost to two years ago in the sweet 16. Um, a lot of those guys are still on that team for the Bruins. So we'll, we'll get more to the final four. If we get there, we don't need to worry about that and talk about that right now. So let's why that's a lot, let's bas- a lot of great basketball ahead. A lot of great
1: basketball. There's great left.
0: basketball ahead. So just, just keep, stay tuned into that. There's also a lot of great football ahead, Wyatt, uh, here on Monday, which you're listening to right now. Alabama begins its spring practice. Um, obviously, the eight-day game is going to be on April twenty-second. W- before we wrap this thing up today, I want—I definitely want to touch on football just because it's kind of coming back here, um, and it obviously is where Alabama makes its money in terms of the athletic mm-hmm. program. You got to talk about it. it, it it's out if when you think Alabama, you think football. Wyatt, I did a story a few weeks ago. What what are, what are some big position battles you're looking forward to this year here in the spring?
1: We're gonna leave the obvious one for last in the quarterback <laughs> battle. Yes, um, we'll get to that. I think the I think running back could be something that is very un that will be a very unseen battle. You've got two great players coming in in Justice Haynes and Richard Young. But you know, this is kind of Jace McClellan and Roydell, Roydell Williams kind of year. You know, yeah. they've been in the program for several years. They flashed really well as true freshmen. And Jace, you know, being the number two back behind, I believe it was both B Rob and then uh, Jameer Gibbs as well. And so this is kind of, this is his time. You know, you come to Alabama and they say, you know, at the running back position, you got to wait your turn. You know, Derrick Henry, one of the best under Nick Saban, had to wait his turn. So, you know, I think, but I think this year is the year for Dell Williams and uh, Jace McClellan as well. Yeah, there's a few I want to point out. I I, just going
0: back to my old story from late February, Um, Mm -hmm. I was already early on this. Wide receiver was the first thing. Well, the first thing I mentioned was obviously quarterback, which we'll get to wide receiver. I think is interesting when you got Jermaine Burton coming back, which is huge. Uh, He had a really, really, really good end to the season, which I think gives fans and and myself a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. moving forward that he can kind of be that number one guy. Um, Same thing goes for Ja'Cory Brooks. Um, We're going to get to see him for the third year, which he's kind of gotten better and better. I think maybe a little disappointing last year, Um, at least for me, after, you know, the iron bowl catch and, um, a couple big plays in the playoff. I was kind of really hoping he would do a little more, uh, but maybe that's this year. Um, after that, you know the young talent that's still there. You've got Kobe Prentice. We've seen him mm-hmm. last year. Kendrick Law, we saw him last year. Isaiah Bond, really like him. Uh, had a great Sugar Bowl. I think those three guys are going to kind of fight for that starting slot role again. Um, and the receiving units is going to be good. I, I think there's more guys coming in too. So let's just stay with that. Right guard, right tackle. I like. I, I got my eye on the right side of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um JC Latham, I think we might see him move over to left tackle, uh, which would open things up for Tyler Booker. Seth McLaughlin's gonna play center, I think. Um, Tyler Booker, I think, is gonna play left guard. And so that opens up the right side, like I said. Terrence Ferguson, the second. Uh, he's a third-year player, he's got a little experience. I, I know Sabin likes that. Uh, you got Raquise McLeoderry, I believe is the way you say it. Um, he's the, the the new freshman from Anniston, Alabama, big recruit. Um, and now that you've moved uh Latham over to left tackle. Who's going to be a right tackle? I think it might be Caden Proctor. Um, the number one Ooh. offensive tackle in the country flipped from Iowa to Alabama. Elijah Pritchett's a guy that's been there. So I think maybe early in camp, you're going to kind of see him get maybe the advantage there, but Pritchett was going to be my pick. Yeah. If Caden Proctor's as good as people think he is, um, he, I mean, he's got the size to already play outside tackle in the sec. Mm-hmm. I think that, he, he might very well get that spot. I got something else coming up with a freshman, too. Uh, Darian Dalcourt. Odd man out. He's, you know, he's got, he's made 16 starts. But I just, I don't, he's never had been kind of that guy. And the yeah. same thing kind of goes for James Brockermeyer. We saw his brother transfer. I don't know if he's going to fit in there. Like, all these guys are so good, but we just got to see. You know, we have to see. Uh, weak side linebacker. Will Anderson's gone. Um, but guess who's back? Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell. Mm-hmm. They're going to be coming off the edges. Scary sight. Um, Deontay Lawson. Really excited about him. I think he he's a great young player. He's going to kind of fit into that middle linebacker role, wearing the number thirty-two. Which also love that reminds me of C.J. Mosley and Rashawn Evans. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep moving forward with that. <laughs> uh, Jihad Campbell, Sean Murphy, two guys that are that people will love. Um, let's not forget about Justin Jefferson, uh, the JUCO number one JUCO linebacker in the country. Uh, coming from Pearl River Community College in Mississippi. Um, he could find his way in there. You got Tresman Marshall, the transfer from Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many things to be excited about. The thing I'm most excited about, safety. Um, you know, you've got Kool-Aid, you've got Terry on Arnold, you've got Malachi Moore kind of sh- going back into his star role. Uh, so cornerback and star slot corner, everything seems to be pretty much covered. Um, I like Terry on Arnold. I think he's going to be better this year, but battle and Helms are gone. And so that opens up the strong safety, the free safety. I think it's going to be Christian story at free safety um, mm-hmm. just because he's been around the program. Strong safety. The most thing I've been wanting to say this, people are going to say what they're going to say. The most excited I am about a player this football season is Caleb Downs.
1: Yes. Um, I was hoping it was going to be
0: Caleb. I'm, I left you on the edge there. The number one safety in the class of 2023, number six overall prospect. I believe he was the biggest um, recruit in that just gargantuan class for Alabama. Yep. And he's in a perfect position to play day one. I mean, He is strong. He is physical. He's instinctive. Um, I've seen a lot of film on him from Mill Creek in Georgia. He won a state title, I believe. Uh, He's going to be that guy. He's going to play strong safety day one. I'm calling it now. Um, I'm calling my shot. Here you go, Alabama fans. Here you go. My comp, Landon Collins. Don't get too excited, but I'm going to put it out there. I I could be wrong. I love Caleb Downs. I love what we're going to see in, in spring camp. I'm excited. I mean, I think there's a lot of good battles going on. Quarterback, we don't have much time left. Quarterback, first thoughts. Let's
1: hear it. First thoughts. I think Tommy Reese's offense is going to cater a lot more towards Ty Simpson. Agree. But of course, Jalen Milrow's got the experience. And if you're going off a of pure athlete, Jalen Melrose is going to be phenomenal. The problem oh, is yeah. this is passing mechanics is going to be a major, major problem. And we really saw it in the Texas A&M game. So if you want to go pure passer, which I think Tommy Reese's offense will, I think Ty Simpson does end up winning the starting job. If you're basing it more off really almost like a Florida offense, like they ran with Anthony Richardson, Jalen Melrose is going to be your guy.
0: Like that. Good take. Um, We're going to see how this develops over the next few months, rolling into August here, obviously. Um, My eye at, at spring practice is going to be, how has Jalen Milroe elevated his passing game since we last saw him? Yep. I think it's huge. If he is improved, if he's anywhere close to where Jalen Hurts was, even in his first year, I think he will start game one against Middle Tennessee State. I agree. However, I think you bring up a great point um, about Ty Simpson fitting into Tommy Reese's system probably more. But I, you know Nick Saban's always... Aside from Jalen Hurts, which is, and and he always Jalen Hurts favors, didn't even start that game. He, correct. He always favors the guy that has been there at mm-hmm. the quarterback position. It doesn't always be, it's not always that way on defense and everywhere else, like I mentioned with Downs and with Caden Proctor. <laughs> but at the quarterback position, Nick Saban has always been stingy about not starting a true freshman game one. Yeah. Doesn't mean Jalen Monroe's going to be the quarterback all year. I'm not saying that. But I do think if he is an improved passer, and Ty Simpson hasn't proven enough. He will start Game One, and then after that, the Longhorns are coming to town, and you better have an answer for them. So um, we'll see. Our time's running out here. We we uh, we, we filled you in with basketball and football. <laughs> um, sorry for the break last week. That's on us. Um, it was a long weekend in Nashville. I was sleepy. Wyatt was available, obviously, because he's better than I am. But um, <laughs> not even. <laughs> we'll talk Don't to even. you next. We'll talk to you next Monday. Um, enjoy the sweet 16 hopefully enjoy the elite eight and hopefully next Monday when we come back to you we will be talking about an Alabama basketball team that has reached the final four in Houston Wyatt Fulton I'm Austin Hannon this has been the weekend wrap-up thanks for listening